Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today's guest is Carla, who lost her mother about 11 years ago, just when Carla was preparing to immigrate to Canada from Brazil. So Carla, welcome to the Grief Stories podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We'd like to begin by asking you to share your story of loss, the story that you want to share with our audience today. Sure. Um, I would like to share this story about losing my mother. So that happened about 11 years ago. Um, my mom, you know, she was she was overweight and she was 62 at the time, but she was generally healthy. She didn't have many problems other than, you know, the things that come with being in her 60s and being overweight. Um, she also smoked for a, a few years. Um, but then she went to a funeral and she lived in Brazil. So she went to a funeral. It was a particularly hot day. And when she was in the funeral, she passed out, which was very unusual. She never had any experience with that. So they took her to the hospital and they just didn't investigate it further, you know. They just thought that because she, you know, she, it was a hot day, she just got emotional because of the funeral, and they sent her home. And the next day, she, she had no recollection of the day before, and um, she had this headache that wouldn't go away. So I took her to the hospital again to see another doctor, and the doctor didn't even touch her. He was like, oh, no, this is probably because, you know, again, she was emotional and it was hot. And they didn't investigate. And she kept having that headache and it wouldn't go away. And eventually, my sister-in-law is a doctor. And she was like, you guys have to take your mom to have, you know, further evaluation because that doesn't sound normal. Um, so eventually she insisted so much and she connected with um, a few doctors and eventually they had my mom uh, examined properly and they found out that she had an aneurysm. So that it was five days later and when they finally saw that, they, the doctor came and said, okay, we're going to have to operate on you right now. And my mom was like, what? <laughs> and then eventually, you know, she went and she had this surgery and she never woke up from that surgery. And she was in the hospital intensive care for about 45 days. And then she ended up passing away. But for me, that was a particularly hard time for many reasons. Um, one of them is that I didn't have a very good relationship with my mother. And, you know, seeing her in the hospital and having to deal with the possibility that she would die I always had in my mind that eventually when she, she got older and I would be older, we would somewhat reestablish a better relationship and have something a little bit better. 
Um, so having to deal with the possibility that she'll die and I would never have that was quite hard. And also seeing my siblings suffering, particularly my sister. I have um, one older sister and one older brother. And my sister was very close to my mom. So seeing her suffering was also very hard for me. But what was really, really hard is that I was in the immigration process to Canada when my mother had her aneurysm. In fact, I had gone to Canada and stayed there for about two months. And I came back to Brazil just to do a few errands that I had to do and I had to be in Brazil. So I, I went to Brazil and while I was there, my mom had the aneurysm. And the first time when I went to Canada, I was on a tourist visa and I was in the process of immigration, but I, I didn't have my permanent resident card yet. So in my mind, I was like, what am I going to do? Should I go back to Canada? Should I stay in Brazil? What am I supposed to do? And I, I kept asking God to tell me, like, well, what should I do? And I didn't know. My mom could be in the hospital for two days and die, or she could be in the hospital for 10 years, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I kept praying, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not particularly super religious, but I, I am connected to spirituality and I was really praying and asking you know tell me what I should do and then it was quite interesting because um, I kept receiving these letters from the consulate asking me for steps on my immigration process so the first one was like oh you need your medical exam and then I was like okay I have to be in Brazil in order to do that so I, I have to stay and I did and then I got the results saying that, that the exams were fine and, you know, my process was going further, right? And then I was like, okay, now should I go back to Canada or should I wait? And then eventually I got another letter from the consulate saying, oh, we need your passport. And then I was like, wow, this couldn't be more clear. It's like I literally cannot leave the country without my passport. So I cannot leave. I have to stay in Brazil. And then eventually, you know, my mom wasn't doing well and she got worse and worse and worse. And eventually she did pass away. And about a week after, I actually got a letter, um, another letter from the consulate with my passport, my permanent resident card, everything. I was good to go as an immigrant about a week after my mother passed away. And I was just, the whole thing was just so incredible because like I, I asked for you know guidance and I was getting this and at the same time I was like okay now my mother died should I go to Canada you know this conflicting feelings that it was something that I dreamed about for so long and I wanted it so badly but at the same time my mother just died so I had these feelings that I couldn't quite make sense of it so eventually I talked to my siblings and, you know, I had already kind of wrapped my, my life in Brazil and I was sure that I wanted to go to Canada and I was like, okay, I have to go back, which I did. However, when I, I got to Canada, I had these feelings that were so conflicting because at the same time, it was the happiest moment of my life. I wanted to immigrate so badly 
And when I was in Canada as a tourist, I was like, okay, that's where I'm going to live. I really like this country. When I got in Canada, I was like, okay, that's my home. That's, that's where I belong. And I had this very strong feeling about that. And at the same time, it was the hardest moment for me because I just lost my mother. I lost the possibility of having a better relationship with her in the future. And I was so sad and so happy all at the same time. And it's just so hard for me to make sense of it. And because I was in a new country, my English was very poor. I was married at the time. And, you know, both our English was weren't very good. So I didn't allow myself to grieve. I said, okay, I cannot be sad because I didn't even know how to navigate like health system in Canada. Like, can I just go see a psychiatrist? Do I have to find a family doctor? Like I I didn't have any information about that because I didn't think that I would need right from the beginning, right? Um, So I was just pushing those feelings away and saying, I'm not going to, deal with that I'm not going to be sad and I was really forcing myself just not to think I didn't look at pictures of my mother for about three years and every time that I was listening to music and if it was kind of a sad music I would just turn it off I couldn't really allow myself to to be sad because I was scared about being in in another country right Um, however because I wasn't dealing with it Eventually, I started having panic attacks. Out of nowhere, I would be in a shopping mall or, you know, I would be at the university and I would just start having panic attacks. I would get sweaty and, you know, having my heart was racing and all these physical symptoms of um, anxiety. And then I was like, oh boy, I'll have to deal with that. And it took me about maybe three years to kind of start feeling a little bit better about the whole thing. And there are a few things that would bring me back to that moment because every time that I would come, I would go back to Brazil, the smell of my father's house or hugging my siblings, going to a few places, everything would remind me of my mother. So even though a year had passed, every time that I would go back to Brazil, it was like my mother had died a week ago. So I felt like my grieving process was kind of all over the place. And and having this experience of being so happy while I was so sad was always so, also so confusing. And it was really hard for me to kind of make sense of the whole thing. And um, also when my mom was in the hospital, um, I have this connection with my siblings that I never felt before. And I think there is something very powerful and very beautiful that happens with children when they lose a parent. Because then you realize I'm an orphan now. I'm about to lose this parent. And there was, I think in in all of us, there was that feeling, if my mom died, are we still going to be close? You know, are we still going to go to each other's house? Like, what is going to be our relationship? What's going to be like when she passes? Because usually her house were the place was the place where I would meet my siblings, right? And all of a sudden, that person wasn't there anymore. So there's also the fear of losing that love, not just 
my mother, but also my siblings. And I remember a few moments um, when we were in the hospital and um, she was in intensive care, so she never woke up, right? But we, we would go and it had to be one person at a time, which was scary for me because I, I really dislike hospitals. Um, and seeing her in that state was so hard for me. Um, but eventually, I think when the doctors realized that she wasn't doing well, they allowed us to go together. Um, and very close to her death, there was a moment that the three of us were there. And I would look around kind of in shock, and I couldn't say anything. I could barely move. And my brother was sort of the same, just looking at us, you know, the 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 two sisters younger than him. He was the only man. And looking at my mom and my sister, she was putting lotion on my mom's body and she was kind of in this agitation about putting lotion and as if she could do something to save my mom from any pain or, you know. So dealing with that was also quite hard. And then all of a sudden when I to Canada, I didn't have time to process that with my siblings, right? So it's like I had the the grief about my mom passing away, but also what's going to happen with this relationship? And I felt kind of guilty that I wasn't supporting them. And also I felt robbed from the possibility of having them supporting me, right? Because I wasn't around. So yeah, it was it was a very confusing and challenging time that eventually, you know, you start kind of making sense of it and try to piece things together. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of complications. You had yeah. this, this um, return to Brazil and these tentative plans that you were so excited and happy about. And then this, um, you contrast those with the experience of your mom's health decline and her um, illness and and the time in intensive care and not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Not knowing if you were going to get the opportunity to have that joy that was so close in that immigration plan, um, you know, to be with your partner, to be, right, all of these experiences. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these layers of joy and pain interweaving, you know, mm-hmm. It sounds like that was so such a complex time, and then it really was. Yeah, and then coming to Canada, grieving was almost interrupted by the mm-hmm. the pleasure of your immigration to Canada, and you know being with your partner and starting your new life here, um, and it interrupted the grieving process. And, and I heard you say that you really felt that every time you went back to Brazil, that Mm -hmm. the grief was making itself known. Yeah. Like very powerfully. (laughs) Yeah. And that whole concept of, you know, what will grieving do for me and my siblings? Like, will it bring us closer together? Will it push us further apart? Because it can do either of those things in families. And sometimes it does both in the same family. And um, and you have that physical distance geographically of being in Canada, which makes it even harder to know how your sibling relationships will unfold in the aftermath of losing your mom. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. it sounds like so many challenges, both in the time that you were losing her, that she was dying, but also in the time after losing her, in the grief that you experienced and, and are still working through in some ways. I mean, when we lose a parent, I feel like that grief stays with us for life. That's not something we just pack away and leave behind. It's It just shifts how we carry it. Um, yeah. So did I kind of sum up the complications or the challenges of grief that you it have? Did. It did. I just want to mention, um, I, I kind of said that, but I, I want to emphasize that. Like being in another country where you don't fully understand how the health system works and also you can't quite communicate in that language. Um, so it's something that you yourself don't quite have the words for it yet because you're trying to understand but then you have to do that in your, if you're going to talk to someone, you have to do that in a second language. And if, if you're not completely fluent in that language, you know, you don't have the words inside you, let alone the words to, you know, to, to make it understood. And in a second language, that was really quite something. It was really challenging. And um, it, it's really, it's, really quite something as an immigrant to have to deal with this kind of processes because it's just so many layers of understanding that you don't have and community support that I didn't have. Um, my friends are all back home and mm -hmm. even the new friends that I was making there, you know, they, they didn't fully understand the culture and they didn't know my mother. Like there was no connection with that place but that was the place where I was when I was in the deepest pain of my life so immigration really brought some complications that um, I see that my siblings didn't have to face right so that was something that was very intense as well mm -hmm. such a big challenge that um, concept of shifting cultures and development of language to to not only you were trying to understand your own grief experience, but then explain it to somebody so that you could get support, yeah. right? In in a place where your language was still um, not yet adequate, right? Yeah. In terms of that process. And the other thing I, I think I heard you say as well, that there were some complications with your mom and your relationship with her. And so that yeah. also was another element of that, 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 complexity of your grief was that there were some things that you had hoped to resolve with her and come back to at a later point in life. And, and that, that sudden death, I'm, I know that she was in intensive care for a while, but for, for intents and purposes, I kind of consider it sudden because yeah, you said it, she was. didn't, it wasn't a health yeah. issue that she was experiencing. It yeah. took away that opportunity to have some it resolution did. with her. And so you have you have all of those layers of the complicated relationship as well as being in a new place uh, with a language that you're learning and feeling disconnected um, from some of those experiences and, and maybe hearing and watching your siblings go through uh, quite a different experience with their grief processes. So all those things were really so challenging for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the things that have helped you heal your grief over time then um, you're in a place where it sounds like you've you've really made some some 
work of learning how to carry this grief so that you can talk about it and share it with us like this? What's helped you? So there was one thing in particular that was quite helpful. Um, before I talk about that, I think the, the main thing that really helps us is, um, is time. So you can stay with that pain and, you know, try to understand what it was. And eventually you don't get over it, but it, it gets a little bit better as time passes. Um, but in my case, there was one particular thing that was really important. Um, when when I first moved to Canada, I moved in to Regina, Saskatchewan, and I started going to the university over there. And I was taking a lot of courses in uh, women's and gender studies. And one of the courses was about female writing, uh, and it was um, autobiography. Um, so basically, I had this classroom with about 40 women, and we were reading memoirs, and we were writing about our stories. And these women were from all over the, the province, and they had very different backgrounds. So we had very young white women, and we have, you know, middle-aged um, indigenous women, uh, black women, like they were from all over the place and from all walks of life. And I start writing about the experience of losing my mother. And until that moment, this was about three years, two years after my mom died. Um, until that moment, as I said, I was pushing all the feelings away and I didn't want to really think about it. But when I started that course, I was like, okay, I think I have to, to do that because that was a story that was so big inside me. And that was the purpose of the course, right? To write something that is really meaningful to you. So I remember that before I wouldn't, talk about it and people would say oh how are you doing and I know that your mom passed away I would say no I'm fine I'm fine and I wouldn't talk about it and I remember so vividly that I sat in the library at the University of Regina and I started typing this story about my mom dying and I was just crying in such a public place I was in the middle of the library anyone could see me. I was listening to music, which I was trying to avoid for so long. And I was just crying. And I was like, okay, I'm going to face this thing now. And I did. And I wrote this story um, where I mentioned that situation that I described about us being in the hospital around my mother. And I connected to a story that we experienced when we were children. That, as I said, my mom was a large woman. And Brazil is a very hot place. So there was this moment, I think I was probably like eight years old, um, which means that my sister was about 12, my brother was about 16. Um, so it was a very hot day, and my mom had this big belly, and I don't remember who. We just said, Mom, can we paint your belly, paint a clown in your belly? And my mom started laughing, and she was like, yeah, sure. And then we painted this clown on her belly and we were all laughing and she would laugh and she would jiggle her belly and the more she jiggled her belly that was hysterical for her for us and I remember like we were falling on top of each other laughing and I remember her skin I remember her smell and I remember my siblings and it was such a joyful moment around her belly and then there was that moment in the hospital that again it was the four of us around her belly 
in the moment where she was about to pass away. And when I was writing that text, you know, I kept going back to that idea that the, the three of us, it didn't matter that she wasn't there anymore because we would always be connected with that belly. That's where we came from. And, and that, that would be always be there. And it was such a beautiful text. And in the end, I was crying so hard. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I'll be okay because we have that. The three of us are going to be fine. We're going to support each other and we're going to make sense of it. And we're going to still love each other and have all these stories that we experienced together with this mother that was no longer there, but the memory of her would always be inside us. And after that moment, I just felt like I could honor that pain and I could honor the moments that we had together as children, as teenagers, as adults, and that would just be able to care for each other in one way or another. And, and that's what we did. So from time to time, I would call my sister and we'd cry on the phone or I would call my brother, you know, and we, we managed to do that. And yeah, that, that class was really something that made a huge difference, writing down and talking about my feelings and allowing myself, I guess, even like being in the library and not in my house, you know, by myself, being in the library allowed me to just say, okay, I am in pain and I'm going to express that. I'm going to express that on the paper, but I'm also going to express that cry in public. I lost my mom, you know? So that was, that was quite something for me. Yeah. The power of permission the power of the pen on the page and mm -hmm. that feeling of connection, both to your mom, but also through your mom to your siblings. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that was a real um, changing experience for you in terms of how you carry the story of grief forward in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. You know, one thing that to this day is still um, with me, and it, it, it got less intense, but it's still there. Um, shortly after I moved to Canada, I would sometimes grab my phone and say, oh, I'm going to call my mother. And I was like, oh, she died. Right. <laughs> and it's so interesting because it's it's like we didn't even have a good relationship, but it's your mom, right? So I still see myself doing that sometimes like when something happens it's like oh I'm gonna call my mom it's like oh no she died and I think it, it became a little bit more like a, a funny anecdote uh, when I feel this these things um, after I wrote that piece because before it was just so sad it's like oh I'm gonna call my mom but she's not there but after I wrote it it's like oh she's not there you know, it became something else. It's almost like, oh, I wish I could do that, you know, but it's so nice that I had the memory, that I had the memory of her. Right? It sounds like it transformed what was very painful into more sentimental. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think it also maybe represents that you carry her in your heart, that even though you can't call her and she's not there, and even though there were challenges in the relationship, um, there were also those beautiful moments of love and laughter and togetherness that you carry with you 
um, and that can be her legacy more so than the difficulties that you had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story of your mom with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for hearing her story. Yeah. Thank you for hearing my family's story. That's that's quite something, being able to share that. Yeah. It feels, it sometimes can feel really powerful just to, to tell that story. And our hope, of course, is that our listeners feel that power and have hope that um, whatever challenges they're facing in their grief, that they can come through it as well, that they'll find something um, that gives them some turning points and transformations like you've had as well. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope it can help other people, absolutely. Yeah. Good. And write it down. It's a good, it's a good thing to do. <laughs> it is a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Writing, uh, writing heals. Lots of, uh, lots of healing happens through being able to write things, to move them out of your head and onto a page and allows you to look at them sometimes in a different light to see them a little bit differently. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also interesting because I still have that piece, right? So from time to time I read it and in the beginning it was still a bit painful and all, but now it's, it's such a, a beautiful piece that I, I, I don't know if other people are going to think that it's that beautiful, but when I read it, it's really beautiful to me and it's beautiful to see how I changed throughout the years in regards to what I wrote in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have that feeling of softening towards mm-hmm. some of the feelings that were so sharp and hard to carry in the beginning. There's a bit of a softening or a gentling of them maybe, right? And yeah, that, that writing, the, the ability to express that um, and reread it and come back to it has really been part of that process that's beautiful thank you thank you thank you for listening to the grief stories podcast i'm your host maureen pollard please remember that grief is universal but every person's experience of grief is unique while our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance we know that this story might be different from your own Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.